Grace and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Our text for our sermon is Isaiah chapter 63 verses 7 through 9. To remind you that account I will read verse 7. I will tell about the Lord's mercies, about the praises of the Lord, about all that the Lord has done for us, about his great goodness to the house of Israel, which he did for them according to his abundant compassion and according to his great mercy. This is the word of our Lord. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, last night as I said goodnight to my children, I said, you will go to bed and you will wake up in the normal Sunday morning time, but you will have slept a year away. It's a new year. What did last year bring for you? Do you remember happy, unexpected occasions? Were there things that came along, bad news, things that stressed and worried you? It's funny, I don't worry about the unforeseen good times ahead in the next year. I worry about the bad things that can happen. I worry about being able to provide for my family. I worry about my family's health. I worry, I worry, I worry. It's a good thing God has not told us a lot of the details of the future because, well, we would worry. Joseph, I'm sure, had no idea the hardships he was going to have to endure when he was engaged to marry. But he made his plans according to the Lord, according to his faith in what the Lord had revealed to him. And the Lord has told us everything we need to know. And we know that ultimately this whole thing ends with Christ's return and we get a new heavens and a new earth. Now, through the prophet Isaiah, we get to step back and look at how God had taken care of the nation of Israel and apply it to ourselves today as we discuss the theme, do not forget the Lord's grace. And we'll add, especially as you look to the year ahead and the year prior. Now, if you've been attending Bible study on Isaiah, you've probably gotten a little tired of hearing over and over again, I have been a faithful God. You Israelites continually worship false gods, commit adultery on me, and I've had enough. First the Assyrians are coming, then the Babylonians are coming, then the medio persian Empire is coming, then the Greeks are coming through Alexander the Great, and then the Romans are coming. But you get a break. You get a break at chapter 40 and that message of stop cheating on me ends. And in today's words, most of Isaiah after chapter 40 are strong promises of God's redemption after having spelled out clearly that he was about to chastise them. And so Isaiah begins those wonderful words. I will keep on causing the Lord's act of committed love to be remembered. Again, literally translating the Hebrew text there. Now, oftentimes that word that I translate as committed love gets translated as mercy or grace. But it's committed love. God had committed love for the nation of Israel even when they continually chased after false gods. And you know, God has committed love for you and I. And that is very wonderful comfort to our ears. Because you and I, we can't even help it. We don't want to and we still sin every day. But God's committed to us. Committed to pouring His love upon us, pouring His blood upon us, time and time again washing our sins away. So Isaiah says, I will keep on causing the Lord's acts of committed love to be remembered. Well, how do you cause something to be remembered? You share it with people so that they don't forget. 
Now, I've told you in the past, the congregation that I served before I served you, I had the privilege of serving a lot of people who some had even begun farming in the dirty 30s, in the days of the Great Depression, and watching the, the topsoil of their farm blow over to the next county or the next state. And I always loved how they would share their stories with me. And the thing that comes through over and over again, they didn't share those stories in a complaining, whining way. Why did God put us through that? I got the impression it was miserable times. And I cannot imagine the hardship of planting a crop and seeing a plague of grasshoppers come and take everything away and then watching the topsoil blow away a little while later. But the amazing thing is when those people would share those stories with me, they're not amazing things. They'd say, I'm probably boring you to tears. I'd say, no, no, keep telling. You've got something important. And here was the amazing thing. Whether they realized it lots of times or not, they often confessed in their faith, and yet the Lord provided. Did we have steaks every day? Good heavens, no. But did he give us enough to make it each day? By God's grace, yes. Like the widow of Zarephath, whom the prophet Elijah stayed with, where she had just enough flour for one loaf of bread to feed the three of them, and yet it lasted for a long time until God had other work for Elijah to do. I loved it when those people shared their stories with me, and I would often tell them, my generation and the people younger need to hear this. There are times and ways God has worked in your life. There have been stresses and worries that you have had, and yet God took care of them in spite of your worries and concerns. And when other people, neighbors, friends, children, cousins, you go through it all, are stressed out about things, you know, maybe you weren't in the same exact situation, but you could say, let me share with you a similar situation. And let me tell you that the Lord provided. You too will be causing the Lord's acts to be remembered. I thought about our congregation a lot last night and thought about how this congregation was formed in an energy boom and we just grew under an energy boom and then we lost a lot in an energy bust. But the Lord continues to keep Lord of Lords planted here in spite of 88 mile an hour winds. The Lord continues to provide. Remember the hard times. Remember how the Lord worked and remembered how the Lord provided. Remember the good times as well and share them. He's done many things for you. And we're told, praise the Lord in accordance with all that the Lord has rendered for us. Now, brothers and sisters in Christ, if you actually were to sit down and make a list and think of all the things God does for you. Uh, let's see, I get oxygen in lungs that work. Uh, you know, you could begin when so many things we just take for granted that we could never stop praising the Lord. There's so many things that we look at our neighbor and maybe God has given them something we haven't. We get jealous or we feel miserable. We play the comparison game. Why do they have it so easy and I don't? But again, look at how much the Lord provides for you in accordance with the grace and the mercy that he does. And we're told, and the abundance of good for the house of Israel, all that he's rendered for them. You know, we often miss that Israel was on a main highway in the Old Testament times and, and a lot of traffic went through there. And, and God, when they were a faithful nation, sent them lots of rain and prospered their crops. And when they weren't, it was actually a blessing to them that he would withhold the rain so they could see that they were turning away from him. So we're told in accordance with his acts of tender mercy and in accordance with his many acts of committed love. Isaiah, the prophet who had a strong law message, you continually turn against the Lord over your existence as a nation. And he's about to chasten you severely, stops and yet says, yet let's step and look at how our God has been gracious to us as a nation. And we can apply that to this year. Don't forget the Lord's grace. 
He has done many things for you. And so I would tell you, a great application that is when you're worried about something, stop and say, you know, I was worried about something like this in the past, and look at how the Lord took care of it. He's got this one too. So the next thing we're told is verse 8. For he said, surely they are my people and they are sons who do not deceive. Now he cannot be talking about politically the nation of Israel because they tried to deceive the Lord all the time. And there's lots of passages in which God points that out. You bring hypocritical offerings. You give me your sick animals that are about to die. Or look at, for example, King Ahaz. He's worried that the northern kingdom, which with its capital in Ephraim, and, and the king of Syria with its capital Damascus are going to come and attack him, and the city of Jerusalem is going to be besieged. He has rejected the Lord. And he's trying to figure out he's going to get water. And God sends Isaiah to say, hey, Ahaz, don't worry about it. It ain't going to happen. God's got it. He's taking care of this one. This ain't the big deal. And in fact, here's a blank check. You write in the amount. Because God knows you don't have faith in him, you don't trust him, God has said, ask for any sign, any miracle, as big as you want, and God will make it happen so that you know you can trust in him. And Ahaz becomes deceitful. He tries to sound pious. I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. But behind it was a lie. It was, I don't care. Yet Isaiah still gives him a sign that's important to you and I. He says, fine, you keep rejecting the Lord, the Lord's still going to give a miracle and you won't get to see it. The virgin will give birth to a child and we will call him Emmanuel. God is with us. Now, brothers and sisters in Christ, there are plenty of people who claim to be Christians who don't see that they're sinners, who come across in pharisaical ways, or have you ever invited a friend to church who they try to sound pious? They say, oh, if I come, the roof would fall in. No, God, sinners need God. People who are perfectly holy, well, they still need God, but they're holy. They don't need a Savior. But they, we often try to sound deceitful. God is not talking about the political kingdom of Israel. He's talking about the members who believed in him that happened to be members of the nation of Israel, if you will. Men like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Men like the prophet Isaiah. Faithful women who are recorded in scriptures. It says they were my people because they were the invisible church that was made visible in Old Testament times. Now these words apply to you too. God has made you his people. And he deliberately calls you sons. Women, he's not insulting you. He knows you're a woman. But in the Old Testament times, the son inherited the land. The girl would marry somebody who would inherit land. And there's a message even for you women here. If you're his people, if you're his sons, you own land in heaven. You and I are citizens of America. And when I meet people who don't speak English or who are from another country, I can see they have different cultures. And, and, and my culture stands out. My language stands out. You are God's people. Members of his kingdom, the invisible church. He's made you his children with an inheritance. And you stand out in the world because God's grace shines out through you. Do not forget as we look back at 2016 and wonder what's ahead in the months to come. Do not forget that God has made you his people. And it's important to remember as we plan our budget today and that with our congregation this is his people visibly gathered together. So ultimately, God is in control and he's in control for what is best for his invisible church and for each and every one of you. So far, we've seen, don't forget the Lord's grace. He has done many things for you and he's made you his people. 
And here's the big one. It starts at, at the last part of uh, verse 8. For he is their savior. And there it is, brothers and sisters in Christ. This is the only thing that matters. God has saved you. God took on your and my human flesh, did not spare himself any hardship so that he could purchase and win you. He's your savior. The only one who could save us. And we mentioned earlier, people who do not deceive. If you think you can contribute to your salvation, if you think that you can earn your salvation, you're only deceiving yourself. But when God's Holy Spirit's in your heart, you do recognize, I'm stuck in the mud of my sin. I can't help but to sin. And then you really appreciate the good news. And so God lived perfectly in your place. God has washed your sin away and made you his child. When hard times come, whatever the bad news of the year 2017, stop and say, surely I am saved. God has promised it. Because after that, it's small potatoes. If they take your life, it doesn't matter. You're saved. If a hardship comes and, and it's going to cost a lot of money, and it's, it's okay. You're saved. God's got you. And so we're told in verse 9, in all their distress, he is not distressed. Now, I don't want to get into big lecture of grammar, but this is one of the hard sentences to translate from the original Hebrew because it has the negative for a verb, not, and it's missing a verb, and then it says distress. The simple thing is this is poetry, and the easiest way to understand this is, in all their distress, God is not distressed. What would that mean? Well, have you ever met people, you know, they got worried about the things of life and providing, so they're working overtime and they're just so busy and going to church would just add more stress. That's a lie. That's a deception that the world and the devil in our own sinful nature tells us. God is not stressful. I can tell you the busiest year I ever had in my ministry, I had between 36 and 38 shut-ins. And it just seemed like everything was constantly falling apart. And I, I just could not keep up with the workload. It was more than one man. And, and I recognized, do you know how I made it through that year? Every day I read a sermon. And I didn't do one devotion. I did two devotions. The only way I could handle the stress of that year was by God's constant reassuring word. Again, look at the many things I've done for you, Fred, and I've blessed you to, that I'm doing through you in proclaiming my word. Surely you are serving my people and you are one of my people and I have saved you. And I needed to hear that every day. And it seems our sinfulness, you're too stressed out, there's too much to cut the word. But God is not distressed. God is the one who delivers us from that. And I have to battle my own sinful nature when I look at the things I worry about to say, Fred, God's got it. And I know there are times you do too. So here is wonderful comforting words. In all their distress, he is not distressed. And then it says, and the messenger of his countenance is their savior. God's countenance is his face. Now stop and think about this. The father doesn't have flesh. He doesn't have a face. The Holy Spirit, his very name tells you he's a spirit. Spirits don't have faces. But God became a man. And through Jesus Christ, we truly know God. If you reject Jesus as the God-man, you do not know God. If you want to know the Father and the Holy Spirit, you have to know the Son. And the Holy Spirit gives us the faith. Our Savior took on our human flesh to be our intercessor. True God, true man, so that he could give us God's glory in all eternity. Yes, God's glory. You get to be free of your sin. You get the new creation. And God is ruling for you now. So we're told in his love and his compassion, he himself redeemed them. 
Now, God took the people of Israel out of slavery. To redeem something is to buy out of slavery. He didn't pay Pharaoh. He took them from Pharaoh. He used those great plagues. And you and I are slaves to the unholy trinity. The devil, the world, and our own sinful nature. And God did not pay the devil, the world, and our sinful nature to make us his children. He paid his holiness. He made us holy. When hard times come, remember that God, who physically suffered and spiritually suffered the punishment for our sins on the cross, remember that God is in control. He's bought you, made you his brother, his sister, made you his child, a child of the Father. So if he's allowing those distressful things, if you will, to come upon you, it's because he has a good in mind. You are redeemed. And so when those things come along in the year 2017 or any time in your life, you can say, surely I am saved. Surely the God who bought and purchased me, he wants to take care of me and he is using this for my good. And we're told, for he lifted them up and he carried them all the days of old. And if we were the nation of Israel in Old Testament times, again, we would think of how he carried them out of slavery. The great plagues, the parting of the Red Sea, how Mount Sinai shook when he spoke to them and how he through miracles handed them over the promised land. But don't kid yourself, brothers and sisters in Christ. He carries you and I. Being raised in Wyoming, I was raised to be self-sufficient. I was raised to be a man, if you will. And it really came as a shock to me, the time when studying the scriptures, that the Holy Spirit got it through my stubborn head that a true man in God is a sissy. What? And what I mean by that is we can't save ourselves. God has to do all the work. It's not do your best and God will do the rest. It's not get in there and wrestle until you almost fall and then ask, God's got you. And it's a wonderful comfort to know, yes, like with Joseph, God made Joseph a steward. He told Joseph the information he needed to know and let Joseph make the right decisions after that. And yes, when it comes to taking care of our bodies and that, when it comes to taking care of even our souls, God says, I've given you my word. I've made it clear to you I want you to come to my word. I've given you your jobs. I've given you your income. And I want you to be good stewards with it. And I give you a great deal of freedom in that. But he carries us. And if we miss God's carrying hand, we will not. We will miss. As I said earlier, it's just a miracle that we take in oxygen in our lungs. So we see how God carries us all the days of our lives. And when we, the things we worry about, we don't need to at all. Because God has got us in his hands. As the children sing, he's got the whole world in his hands. So to wrap up our sermon, brothers and sisters in Christ, 2016 has ended. We just started 2017. What's ahead? We can't see that far in the future. We can make our plans and pray for the best. But don't forget the Lord's grace. Stop and reflect on, on the previous years and see he has done many things for you and trust he will continue to take care of you. He's made you his people, which means you are a child of God. Your true citizenship is in heaven. You own land there because he is your savior. He will continue to redeem you and keep you in his loving hands. Amen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.